long story short, we built it in-house. Uh, it was sort of an internal software for us. It was our secret sauce for a little while, and it just worked really well. Uh, it 10 x productivity, cut about 80% of average cost, and we were like, all right, guys, I think we've got something here. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. And today I'm really excited to be joined by uh, a good partner, but above, above all, a uh, very good friend. I think that we met back in 2019. It was, uh, I replied to one of his comments on, on a post on Facebook. And um, from there, we took the conversation uh, via email. Uh, we started working together. And I think that we've developed the relationship uh, since then to something really, really uh, amazing. Um, and... I'm really excited to what he has to share with us today. Uh, we are talking about Farzad Rashidi, um, the co-founder of Respona. Farzad, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Georges. So even though I know uh, some things about your background, I guess that our listeners would like to know uh, where uh, uh, your journey starts and how uh, did you get to where you are at today. So if you could share with us, you know, just a few things about your background and your journey so far, uh, it would be really, really uh, a great way to start uh, this, uh, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. So back in, gosh, it's been a few years. Uh, well, I was, uh, let, me, let me actually tell you a bit more about Vizme. I think that would sort of connect the dots better. Uh, so I started, I, I also sent a, a cold email to Vizme's founder. Uh, it's funny because I can't, uh, back in the day, I was still fresh out of college and was, was still trying to figure out my path and had a degree in marketing. So I was, uh, I was you know, studying and uh, kind of sort of going around and, and trying to learn new things. And I came across Vizme at the time was a very small like startup, was still in beta and was trying to make a presentation. And, and, and I uh, came across the platform and I started using it. I was like, this is actually pretty damn cool. I mean, it, it was a bit buggy at the time. And then again, remember this was like years ago. Uh, but I was like, I see a lot of potential here. And uh, it reached out to uh, Paymon. I found him on LinkedIn. And I was like, hey, man, just came across a tool. And I think it's a pretty awesome software. And not a whole lot of people know about it. So let me know if you need any help with marketing. And he actually ended up replying back and said, yeah, man, I we've just been heads down on the product. I haven't really focused much on marketing. And we don't have a marketing person, so if you are all for it, yeah, let's come on. I was like, all right. So I started working together with Paymon, who's the founder and CEO of Bizme, and um, 
at the time we were experimenting with a bunch of different things what uh, seo wasn't really that big uh, at the time it wasn't as trendy uh, so we, we were trying to put together content pieces to go viral quote unquote and and then trying to experiment pretty much throwing spaghetti on the wall see what sticks and we didn't have a really big budget because we were completely bootstrapped and the software was still in beta and yeah so long story short we we ended up through trial and error, uh, putting together a very solid strategy and, and sort of scaled uh, the company's traffic to over a million. And uh, by the time now, I think it's the north of close to between two to three million monthly organic visitors now. And got over 10 million active users, um, you know, doubling that year over year and over 80, 90 employees, fully profitable. And the, the real trick. Uh, that we used at the time at Disney was uh, at, through our LinkedIn. So what happened was that we were basically putting together pieces of content and, uh, and we had figured out a way how to do all the on-page optimizations and keyword research and all the other stuff. And what happens is that we put together all these content pieces and nothing happened. <laughs> it was yeah, uh, crickets. Yeah. Typical, yeah. So we're like, all right, I don't think this is, uh, this is right. It was, uh, we had like three visitors. One of them was my mom. And uh, she's been our biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, so we basically uh, figured out and understood how search engines work. And a big part of it had to do with the level of popularity you had. And a big part of it is measured by how many other people, how many other relevant authoritative sources in your space are actually linking back to you and talking about you. And aside from the referral aspect of it, uh, it, was, it was sort of a vote to popularity helped our domain ranking go up. So we started doing that manually over time. And it was a very tedious, expensive, time-consuming process. And I tried pretty much every tool on the sun you can name to sort of try to duct tape different things together. And none of it really worked well, well as well as we wanted. There were either mass email software tools uh, that were kind of sort of built for spamming or, or there were CRM tools that were just sort of keeping track of your stuff. It wasn't really a software that would sort of give us the ability to be able to do outreach at somewhat of a scale, but at the same time not sound like a robot and, and still be able to build a relationship. Uh, anyway, long story short, we built it in-house. Uh, it was sort of an internal software for us. It was our secret sauce for a little while, and it just worked really well. Uh, it 10x our productivity, cut about 80% of average costs, and we were like, all right, guys, I think we've got something here. So <laughs> that's when we decided to release Respond as a standalone product. So I shifted away from the Visme team uh, and and sort of working on the new product now. And that's sort of how Respondo was born. Okay, that's great. So uh, a SaaS uh, was essentially, uh, you know, a SaaS idea was born uh, through whatever you were doing uh, with, with Visme on the link building, con promotion, and outreach uh, side, um, which obviously leads me to the to the next question what is respond okay uh i know the tool uh, very well but i guess that people some people may not know it and uh want to know what are the capabilities of of the tool and also who is getting value out of it is it for agencies is it for um you know uh, companies that do outreach scale uh give us a bit you know an idea of what respond is and uh who is using the product Absolutely. Well, there's a short answer and there's a longer version. So since we have some time, let me, let me give you the longer version. I think we paint a better picture. Uh, but basically, you know, 
it is very expensive to, so the, let me, let me define it this way. Once you start a SaaS company, there are a set number of ways that you can gain customers. One is to build a brand and be a household name, which is extremely expensive. Two is through a cold outreach and I would say paid channels. So like social media, uh, advertising, which works up to a certain extent, but it's very difficult to scale just because it hits a plateau because uh, social media platforms use the bidding system, the cost per click goes up. So once you increase the budget, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get more sales. So it's just going to be um, a, a very hard channel to, to sort of scale. And on, on the outbound side of things, since everybody's doing it, it's, it sort of has lost its effectiveness. And the other part is to position yourself the third way in places where people who have problems that you're solving would naturally find you. And that's the concept of inbound. So the way you would do that is normally predominantly by creating educational content in, in various formats. And, and the biggest one is um, blog posts and, and written content. Now, just put yourself in the shoes of a consumer. Say if I have, for example, a presentation tomorrow and I want to create a good looking pitch deck and I don't want to use PowerPoint because it's boring. So what's the first thing I do? Go on Google and look out like presentation software, presentation tool, right? And then there's me who pop up in the, the top and search results. But the problem with that is that there is, like if you look up presentation software, I think there's 2 billion web pages uh, that are in the index of Google for that keyword. And you might say, okay, fires are, yeah, but like most of them are junk. Even if like 0.1% of them <laughs> are decent sites with good content on their site, Still hundreds of thousands that you have to go through. So how do you go from like the hundreds of thousands to top 10, which get over 99% of the clicks? So that's the concept of topical authority. So the way Google sort of beat all the other search engines that were popular back in the day, like Yahoo and AOL and Bing, nobody really uses them anymore. It's because of the algorithm they, they created called PageRank which basically has based their, their um, sorting or their indexing algorithm based on how popular web pages. And that popularity is measured by how often and how many other relevant quality sites in that space are talking and linking back to that particular piece. And doing so not only helps your page, that, that particular page just start getting prioritized in the rankings. So you have to remember over 95% or some crazy amount of web pages have zero links or zero decent links. So, so automatically people, even if one or two people are talking about it, it means that you're already way above the competition. So they, they started prioritizing that. And then guess what? People started, it, it started to become a lot better search results. So that way that that's sort of, how Google uh, beat the quality of, of all the other search engines because all the search engines that were just looking at the keywords, so it was quite easy to cheat them, right? They, they were basically just putting together content pieces that and then stuffed them with keywords and then those would get prioritized and normally ended up being junk. So, but, but Google, since it's not completely at, under your control in terms of uh, how you build or not all ranking factors under your control, right? It, it's dependent on not only what you put on your site, but also whether or not other people are talking about it. So that's why you basically had to, uh, you know, and then 
once everybody started kind of putting together content and content marketing became popular, it became very competitive to start getting your content ranked. So link building, which is a process of, uh, I, um, you know, identifying relevant uh, opportunities where other web pages could potentially mention or talk about a particular piece of content on your website and, and, and identifying the right person and reach out to them and incentivize them to work with you and mention you is a quite involved process that we're, that we're sort of doing things manually. So that's sort of broken down into four steps, just finding those opportunities first. So anytime you put out a piece of content, you want to understand exactly what are some of the opportunities that would make a good fit for linking back. And two is to find the right people of those opportunities, right? Whether or not they're a content manager or someone who is an editor, has editorial access to that site, putting together an email template and making sure that it doesn't sound, uh, you know, <laughs> robotic and, and, and templatey uh, is the next two steps, which sort of what we were doing also manually at Bizme. And Respana was basically the process that we just brought, took that whole process from A to Z, from finding opportunities, put the, finding contacts, putting together email template and personalization, and stuck it in a tool. And now we could go through the whole process from start to finish 10 times faster without losing any quality. And, and that's sort of the whole promise of Respana is that we, you can do what you do normally manually, just, just do it 10x faster. The thing is that I know we are not doing uh, link building uh, as, as an agency or, you know, con promotion or, or, or anything like that. But I know because I'm connected to uh, other founders of agencies they, and they do uh, link building. And I know that it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a tough process and, and very labor intensive, you know. And mm -hmm. also in many cases, you can't be sure, you know, you find an email, I don't exactly. know, using, using a tool or whatever, but you can't be sure that uh, you found the right email and your email will land on the recipient's mm -hmm. inbox and so on and so forth. So this is why, and we have seen at the same time how Respona works. This is why I believe that tools like that, uh, that kind of uh, give you different intelligence and uh, minimize the time needed uh, in order to launch a campaign, to find the right prospect to find the right contact information uh, is extremely important. I would like to hear though, uh, you know, who is it made for? Uh, who can get value out of the product? Uh, who can use it? So we break our target customer base, or at least, again, it's been sort of looked at retrospectively. We put it out without having any sort of expectations and see what type of people are more successful with the tool. Uh, because not every person uh, is fitted to use Respond or, or do link building in the first place. Not, it's not a right fit for everyone. So one big success we've seen is, is through other SaaS companies that are in our exact same shoes, right? So they're, they're trying to put together um, um, you know, content pieces and they also need to get themselves mentioned on these podcasts, like what I'm doing here, get some press in the door, uh, you know, get them, getting themselves mentioned on these listicles, these bottom of funnel content pieces. So a lot of that process uh, is dependent on average. So, so we've seen about half of our customers are actually other SaaS companies. The other half are sort of split between, there are predominantly other SEO agencies uh, like Minutia, <laughs> uh, where basically they, they do link building mainly for their clients that do content. That we don't, we don't normally see a whole lot of agencies doing link building for themselves per se. 
because it's a very expensive um, normally engagement and normally it's based on word of mouth and referrals that seems to be the main driving channel for agencies but um, but the agencies that use Responda normally use it as a service for their clients that they charge their clients for uh, and those clients could be again SaaS companies or other sort of tech businesses that would need some organic traffic in the door and the third um, uh, sort of segment of the market are publishers uh, and, and that was sort of uh, to my surprise uh, a lot of people who run websites professionally either they have a affiliate site uh, or they have some sort of other publishing website that relies on organic traffic they also need to go and promote their content to get their name out there so that also uh, is a smaller segment but it is a significant portion of our uh, user base as well Okay, that's, that's really interesting. I'd like to ask something uh, that, that would be really interesting for me to know. Do you have any idea of what are the main obstacles that uh, response customers are facing when it comes to link building? Is it like mm -hmm. we cannot write the copy uh, for uh, our uh, email emails? Um, we cannot find the right prospects. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any idea of what are the typical obstacles of, of you know, an outreach campaign? You know, George, it's funny you mention this because normally the biggest obstacle I users face is not actually relevant to link building. And it's more so about the steps that come before link building. And that is creating quality content. Because you have to remember that link building, so on-page and off-page SEO, I think just sort of split 50%. It's like uh, building a website is more so like building a house. Right. I look at the content and what you got in your site. The on-page stuff is the foundation, and link building is the house they build on top of it. So if you don't have a good foundation, even if you build a nice house, it's still gonna collapse, right? So you also have to remember that when you get links in the door, that doesn't necessarily guarantee rankings, right? Uh, so Google's gonna still put your content up there, and if, if not, not enough people click on it, or the bounce rate is too high, so people enter and exit. Um, you're gonna get demoted, right? And and so step one is normally I've, I've sent so many customers away and, I, and I've sent some of them to you <laughs> because they come to me and they, they, they schedule a demo. They're like, hey man, I want organic traffic. And I take a look at their site and I'm like, you're not ready for link building this yet, right? So go first, build the right site structure, right? And, and then after produce content and then third step, is link building. So the site structure part is really important because uh, I mean, I'm not very involved with other types of industries. I work predominantly with SaaS companies, which is, you know, sort of the purpose of this show, but there are, you know, e-commerce businesses and other sorts of companies that have no idea what would be the proper site structure for. But for SaaS, what's really been working well for us has been picking a few apparent keywords and every SaaS company knows what those are, right? So the link building is present uh, for, excuse me, for Respana is link building and content promotion and, and blogger average for Viz means presentations, infographic maker, et cetera. And it would create sales pages or landing pages for each one of these. And, and then what we do then is to, in order for those landing pages to start getting rankings is that we create a topic cluster or a, uh, or a silo of content, which is just a fancy word for saying, just a category and a blog and start doing some keyword research, identifying what are these opportunity keywords and opportunity keywords, keywords that are getting high volume, low competition, and high commercial intent. And start writing specific educational pieces of content for each one of these categories. And then what happens is that we include internal links from, so meaning that we, anytime we 
publish a piece of content, we also try to mention our landing page in that. And then once over time, we go and build backlinks to this blog post, then they transfer the link equity through these posts, not only getting them also up in the rankings, but transferring them to the landing pages and also getting the landing pages up and stay there, right? Because they consistently are producing content, building links and feeding it link equity. Now, that's the site structure, right? So have a blog, produce content with landing pages. Is it a one size fit all? Definitely not. Depends on the industry, depends on the company. But once that's done, what's really inevitable is creating quality content, which is a lot of people skip. They just go and put together some words on a page and they're trying to build links to it. So it's just not how it works. Right? Yeah, you got to first put together a really quality piece of content that actually adds value and you know, do your proper keyword research. So I identify, okay, does anybody give a crap or not? Let's figure that out first. So see whether or not there are any search following for it. And, and afterwards, okay, how competitive is it? Or are you competing with Microsoft and Google for that keyword? Probably not the right fit, right? Playing your league. You know, if, you, if you don't have a, as good of a site or as high authority of a site, you start from some of the smaller keywords. And then understand also what's the commercial intent, right? So if I have a link building platform, I wouldn't want to write about the keto diet no matter how much traffic and how easy this rank for, right? So it's got to have some commercial intent um, based on our um, industry. And then once we craft these pieces of content, which is where minutia comes in, right? So you, you guys help folks to identify these keywords and write these pieces of content, then the natural next step comes link building. We're like, all right, so we put a lot of resources and time on crafting this piece of content, now let's make sure he actually starts getting ranking to get some to get some traffic in the door. Because content that you just slap it on a web page is very unlikely to start getting rankings on its own, unless it's a very low competitive keyword. If they're more competitive, um, then uh, you know sooner or later, even if you Google experiments with you and puts you up, you you, you may go down. Uh, again, it's a black box. Nobody really you can't really look at things on a page level. You need to look at it overall. But what we have seen is a clear trend between the number of referring domains and the traffic that you get uh, with the same amount of content. So it is sort of inevitable that you'd have to do outreach and, and, and sort of get the content out the door. But make sure that you don't skip those first two steps. So that, that I would say, is the biggest obstacle in, um, in SEO. OK, uh, something interesting I'd like to know. When it comes to, let's say that uh, a blog, a SaaS company publishes, have a, has a steady schedule of, uh, let's say, eight uh, blog posts per month, okay? How would you go about, you know, picking the, the ones that you will actually build links for? Or is it going mm -hmm. to be like, we will try to build links for every page that we roll out? Okay. Um, the way I would look at it is a matter of dedication resources, right? So if you're a HubSpot, you probably is, you work in different ways than the way we do things at Respana uh, versus the way some smaller startups do it, right? So the way I would dedicate my resources is, uh, is the 80-20 rule here. So I actually spent 20% of my resources on content creation and whatever that many is. So a lot of people are like, I need to have eight content pieces a month. I'm like, no, you don't. See how much resources you got split Split by the factor of five, dedicate that budget towards content. It could be one content piece a month. It could be one every other month, right? It could be one every two days, like like what we do at Visme. So it's a, it's a matter of dedication resource. And the other 80% we spent on creating a campaign strategy, actually promotion. So create one really good piece of content and spend the rest of the month 
go and promote and build links to. And I know agencies don't like it when I say this because you guys charge for content piece. <laughs> You're like, Firesaw, don't say that in front of you. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you, not you guys, obviously. You guys want the best for customers, and I understand that. But as I'm saying, there's no really one golden rule when it comes to the quantity. Uh, now, to answer your question in terms of what type of content requires link building, the way I would look at it is actually in terms of um, two things. One, whether or not there is something linkable by your content. So if you're just writing generic things that nobody really cares about, uh, probably going to be very difficult to be linked. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't, but it means you should take a lower priority than a content piece that you've actually done some research or some data in there, some original research, something interesting about it. And another thing also has to do with um, also you know what, what's so once you put out a piece of content obviously uh you want to make sure that that content or that keyword is competitive enough for it to be requiring some link building because some content pieces they don't necessarily need a whole lot of backlinks because the top 10 search results aren't as competitive so you want to make sure that you do some research on hrefs there's a metric called keyword difficulty they actually even tell you how many um websites you need backlinks from which is normally a, not very accurate, but you got to you got to analyze the top ten search results and sort of see, okay, like the if the number you know one to ten have on average like seventeen really good links, it means you need probably need around twenty to, to sort of uh, be safe to to be competitive enough to be shown. Uh, but if all, none of them have a link, probably it's wasting your time uh, trying to you know run a large campaign. So based on those two factors, I'd say. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, Farzad, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, starting at uh, your career at Visme, essentially, uh, which gets, you know, uh, tons of traffic uh, every, every month. And I would like to dive a bit deeper into uh, the strides that you used to, to grow the, the website's traffic. Like we talked about link building and uh, I would like to know how you managed to do it uh, also uh, from uh, the, the standpoint of you know, structuring your team. Like, how did you approach it? Was it like, let's build everything in-house? Was it, let's outsource some stuff? I would like to hear strategies and also team structuring uh, for attaining something so so difficult. Yeah, so as far as Visme goes, I mean, it is public info. If you go onto our website, there's normally three types of pages that we create. Uh, and that's sort of, and, uh, and the funnel. So at the very top of the funnel, we have our educational content pieces on our blog. And those actually drive almost half of our traffic, which is about a million a month. And that is, um, you know, not content that's so out of whack that is irrelevant, but content that isn't selling visible, right? So it's like they're talking about how to give a good presentation, how to memorize the presentation, how to, what to do with your hands as you're giving you giving a presentation, right? So, um, so that's on the presentation side of the So we have our own in-house content team that produces these pieces of content. We have an editor, design team, et cetera, that, that are in charge of our blog. Second one is our templates. So that's something that was somewhat of a new initiative that we did a couple of years back. And, and you know, Bisme is a design software and, and a lot of people, use design tools by looking up content pieces like for example by looking up keywords that are templates like for example if i have a um like a baby shower tomorrow right and i want to create a baby shower uh card then i go and google probably baby shower cards right uh so or template 
And Vizme's got a, a huge library of pamphlets for each category of these companies. Now we, we're more geared towards businesses. Baby shower cards aren't really our target market. Or, well, for example, a better option would have been like an invoice template, et cetera. So what we did was to basically create different silos of, of templates and then turn individual one of our templates and groups into templates pages. And those um, basically were something that we needed some help from some freelancers to create some content for each one and, and sort of clean up the titles and sort of optimize it for SEO. And that's bringing a good amount of traffic. The traffic was, was slow at the beginning, but then now it started to trickle in. Now it's that people are looking for those templates are probably midway through the funnel. And at the very bottom of the funnel, we have our landing pages, sales pages, which generate the majority of our signups to our platform directly. And those are landing pages for presentation software, infographic maker, right? Um, and, and timeline maker, et cetera, which are um, a sales page. So once you go in there, it says create beautiful presentations. And then you have your, you know, step-by-step process and, and some content around how to create a presentation in Visme and the CTAs to sign up for Visme. Uh, but they all sort of go hand in hand together, right? So like we have presentation templates, we have a presentation landing page, and we have a presentation silo on that blog. So they all sort of are lying the same thing. It's just catering towards people in different stages of, of the funnel. Um, hopefully I answered your question as far as the site structure goes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to team structuring, I would also like to know, you know, even you know what were the first hires that you did uh, how how did you um, uh, find the right people because I know uh, I have you know such conversations very often that it's extremely difficult to find especially you can find content writers definitely you can find editors but it's extremely difficult to find people who are doing email outreach and link building so I would like to know right. what specific even you know what specific skills you are looking uh, for a person who is going to do outreach and link building, uh, either for uh, Visme or or Respond. So for outreach and link building, uh, to be honest with you, George, I try to stay away from people who are link building experts or have much link building experience. I mean, it's still a plus, definitely not a requirement. And the reason being is, unfortunately, link building has been something that is done in a shady way. I would say in most companies and people who are coming from a link building background are already used to some black hat techniques or some you know gray area techniques that's uh that's how i would put it and it's very difficult to change our mindset so what i actually like to do is to hire people who have a good attitude there are people who are willing to learn excellent communication skills that would be the number one factor is that you're able to write uh, coherently and, and write engaging copy and that and be able to uh, you know hold your end of the bargain be organized different like simple basic administrative stuff and as long as we have that person link building in and out of itself is quite a simple process it's just talking to people right so once you go through it there is a level of experimentation that's needed at the beginning to figure out what works best you have a three-step process and respond where we start with a transaction or a link exchange. There's normally a couple of different strategies we run. Um, and then we, uh, you know, move on to the guest post stage. And then after we have a partnership stage. So once you explain this to someone, it is quite easy to, to train them. It's just a matter of 
communicating and be able to actually implement. And, and hiring folks are outreach, as I said, just find someone who's interested in, in the space, who's interested in SEO and, and can write very good copy. Um, and, and that's pretty much it, really. You can really train them uh, pretty quickly, rather quickly. Um, versus writers, which are mainly, uh, you know, skills they got to develop. So then we ask them, okay, let us, you know, give us some samples of your work. Let me know how you write. And here's an assignment. Um, it's actually think that hiring writers is a heck of a lot harder than hiring average people. And that's at least my opinion. Um, that's why I didn't go hire writers. I hired Minutia <laughs> because I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> okay, that's, so, that's um, good for us. Good for us. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Speaking of copy and email copy, I would like to hear your thoughts on email templates. And uh, the reason I'm asking is because Obviously, I understand that from a product standpoint, they make sense, okay? And they have value because someone who, is, who may not be as familiar with writing copy for email outreach campaign, uh, campaigns, they go inside the product, they find a template, they use it right away. But I, I would really love to hear your thoughts because I feel that exactly because templates in the beginning, uh, they may be uh, working for, for some, in some cases. After a while, you know, as with everything in marketing, uh, they will stop uh, working. So how do you approach templates and uh, were you using even uh, templates when you started this effort or you were just trying to be creative and, uh, you know, not reinvent the wheel every time, but just trying to be creative? Yeah, so the way you would look at link building is quite different from sales, right? So sales when you do cold average for sales is, okay, you get a list of leads of your target companies, target customers, and then the template is what's really important, right? So how do you go about positioning your product and how do you personalize the pitch, et cetera. So in link building, what's really more important, uh, I believe, is not the template itself, but the strategy as a whole. So the strategy has a few different, um, I would say, parts to it. One is a prospecting. So it doesn't matter how good your templates are as long as you have a right approach to the website they're reaching out to, right? So if you are, for example, trying to do an anchor tech strategy or, or a, uh, a competitor backlink strategy, identifying the right websites they would work with, which is you know a quite an involved process when only uses advanced operators to find like, for example, we put together a blog post on the broken link building strategy, right? Which in and of itself is, a, is another link building strategy. But what, what a lot of people do is that they go and look up all the other content pieces about broken link building and they reach out to them and send them a really nice email saying, hey, can you link to us? And the answer is always no, because guess what? If someone is writing about link building or excuse me, broken link building, they're a competing blog article. They would never want to link to and help another competing article to start getting rankings and beat them. So first, identifying the right prospects is actually a heck of a lot more important than what you say to them. Number two, obviously, is the template. I think that's second priority after you found the right person. And, and that is, okay, what's in it for them, right? That, that's a lot of what averagers actually had to check in strategy call with a customer earlier today. And a lot of the pitches that I was reviewing had absolutely no indication of, hey, what am I going to do for you if you link to me, right? 
was, hey, a chemical article, notice you said this and that, this was great that you said X, Y, Z, very personalized pitch. By the way, can you link to me? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, I don't call you, George. It's like, hey, George, my grandmother is coming to Greece. Can you go pick her from the airport? Like, no, you don't do that to people, right? You don't just call someone to ask for a favor unless you've done something for them. So, uh, so that incentive part is what's going to make it or break it. And a lot of people think by incentive, I mean money. I would stay away from giving cash to websites because of a number of different reasons, not only just because it's straight up against Google policy, but also that the indication of quality of the site. If they're accepting payments from you, they're accepting payments from everyone. But an in, in, in incentive is that, hey, I actually have a newsletter of you know, uh, of 10,000 people that are interested in your, uh, in your article, and I'm more than happy to include it in the newsletter I'm sending. Or, hey, I run a SaaS company, let me get your respond access or resume access on the house for, for three months. Um, hey, um, I, I'm writing a guest post and one of your articles actually makes sense for me to reference in the guest post that I'm writing. Or I'm more than happy to, if you have another source that you would like me to reference on my blog, I'm happy to do that. Try to make it as non-reciprocal as possible, but there's gotta be a level of incentive to it. And the last step is, is the level of personalization, right? So you don't want to come across as a person who reaches out to support and says, hello, sir, can you give us a link? We will give you money, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So you got to make sure that you mention something they've talked about in an article, so you imply that this is not another spammy average email, especially to higher quality sites. They get bombarded by pitches. Like anything DR 60, 70 plus, you may want to spend some time to uh, to personalize them, responding gives you some snippets to work with. But if you, even if you're doing it manually, it's easy to do. But just that sprinkle of human touch goes a long way when it comes to getting replies. So as I said, it's quite a lot of moving pieces you're going to have together. So it's not just so much about a template. It's more so about what comes before and after that template. Okay, I see. That makes sense. Of course, I'm always wondering whether or not, at the end of the day, link building does it have to be transactional? Because uh, from, what I, from what I see in most cases, it's, you know, what's in it for me? And I totally understand it, but does it have to be that way? I mean, can a website, a brand, uh, just create something that, you know, is so good that people will say, okay, yeah, I will link back to you. And you know what? I don't want something in return because you put in so much effort into this piece of content that, you know, it stands out. Uh, it speaks by itself. Right. Right. I, I mean, I'm with you, George. In, a, in an ideal world, that's how it should be. And that's what Google says it should be. And, and, and I agree that over time, it is going to happen. So like right now, uh, links that we actually build ourselves account for about half of what the links that are that we are getting naturally. So the other half, we haven't We've never reached out to them. We've never told them to do anything for us and we've never given them anything. And they just naturally link to us. And that it's a pattern you see more so in established brands like Ahrefs and, and HubSpot that just naturally put out good quality pieces of content. But the problem is when, when you are not at that level just yet, you gotta put in some legwork yourself. And that is true of not only just your website as a whole becoming more authoritative, but it's in any topic cluster that you wanna be uh, competitive in. Like meaning, for example, uh, VizMe, we're, we're launching this new video um, initiative, which you're you know, aware of, that we have some video creator tools in there. We have absolutely no, well, 
very little authority in the video space. And and for us to be able to play in that field, you know, against established video brands like Powtoon and some of the other guys that have been in this space for years, we have to do extensive outreach and, and to establish ourselves. Now, our presentation content pieces that we create are naturally getting rankings on themselves. Uh, people are, are organically linking to them. It's a flywheel, right? right? It's going to take some time. Once it starts spinning, then it's a lot easier to kind of keep it going. But uh, especially towards at the beginning, when you're trying to get some content in the door, they always say it's like the first million traffic you get is the hardest. It is true. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure that's what you know, Afterwards. Right. So it's, it's, it's something that is uh, true of anything. It's just to get that rolling, uh, you got to put in a lot of more legwork. You mentioned uh, Visme entering a new, let's say, territory uh, on a product level. And obviously, you have to do that on a, an organic search level as well and compete with the other mm -hmm. guys that are already in that category for a while now. Do you feel, and you know, I know how you guys work, so I'm pretty sure that uh, sooner or later you will dominate that category as well. But do you feel that the fact that uh, a person who's conducting a, a search uh, around, you know, something around videos, okay, the fact that they are aware of a, of a brand, of an existing tool around videos, uh, the fact that they know it, um, do you think that it plays a role in uh, their decision? Uh, I will click on this result over another one that I'm not sure uh, familiar with? 100%. Absolutely. I mean, brand is, is a big play. And, and Google really doesn't know <laughs> how popular your brand is until, you know, it's based on the click-through rate. So when, it, when, it, when you show the same search results to a thousand people and, and Google sees that, okay, normally like position five gets an X percent of the traffic and you're getting double that means that people recognize your name, stop and click on this, even though you're at the bottom of the page, they're like, all right, well, maybe we should shift you up in the ranks, right? Maybe you are more popular than, than what we thought you were initially. So definitely brand recognition, it is something that is helpful in SEO. And, and, and not only just brand recognition in, in, as a household name, but in your space. So our goal was always never to be a, uh, uh, a household name, Respana, uh, that is. Uh, because you know my grandmother has no use for for our link to link solution, <laughs> so it would be uh, quite a lot of investment for something that we would need. And so we want to be the number one link building outreach software, and, and and there is a relatively small community that is doing that. And and for us to be able to make a name for ourselves, obviously to build a brand, you got to take some initiative. So you got to put out some content, you got to start getting some traffic. And then once people come land your site, they build a relationship with you. Similar way, I, I think the best example of that is Ahrefs. Bootstrap company got off the ground based on their content. They just put out really ridiculously quality pieces of content. And they did a, an extensive amount of link building at the beginning, believe it or not. And we hired actually quite a few people who used to work at Ahrefs. They don't do that as much anymore because they don't need to. Right, because they have a relatively narrow niche and, and they want to stick with it and, and they're already a third source on it. But, um, but, but basically what I'm trying to say is that to build that brand, you got to still go through this process. But once you build a brand, yes, definitely does help. Yeah, okay. We are ready to start wrapping things up and I would like to close with a very important uh, question uh, for mm -hmm. people who are listening to us. I know that I know both Respona and Vizmi, uh, Vizmi's teams, and I know that marketing is in your DNA, you know, as as a team. Okay, but let's assume that 
there is a, a new uh, SaaS company, early stage, and they don't have marketing in, in their DNA. And obviously, not every uh, you know, vertical is like online design where people are searching for uh, solutions online. But I would like you to, to share with us if you have uh, three tips that you would give uh, to uh, a new SaaS company that's you know, starting out and doesn't have marketing in their DNA. Uh, what would you, um, uh, would you advise? Can you give me a little more info about like the industry they're in, their target market? Uh, let's say... Pricing point. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I give relevant advice. Since okay, yeah, that, that's definitely... Let's make it a hypothesis then. Um, I would say the price point would be definitely below uh, 100 bucks. Uh, it's not going to be okay. an expensive product. And you mm -hmm. could say that uh, uh, it's, it's kind of what they call product-led. Like uh, people uh, could easily onboard themselves without needing you know, human assistance. Uh, similar to Visme, I guess, uh, in the beginning. Anyone could use it, yeah? So yep. mm -hmm. we have such a product and um, like the founder or the first marketing hire are just trying to figure things out. Uh, what would you say that uh, that they can uh, that they can do in terms of their uh, con SEO link building marketing strategy uh, in general? Okay, so step one, and again, I can give you an example because Respawner quite fits that quite that criteria. Uh, once we start a company, step one is not to go and straight up start doing SEO and, and link building, right? So first, try to understand whether you have product market fit. So to do that. Call, good old call outreach, find a list of companies and just uh, reach out to the right person and say, hey man, I just developed this tool and just looking some, for some feedback. Can I get you access on the house for free? Uh, if you were kind to you know, take a look, use it as long as you like and just give me some feedback, see what you think. And then after you get a group of guys in, they actually start using it and if it's helpful enough and they stick around, like, hey man, what can I do for it to make sense for you to start paying? What feature do I need to add? What, what does it need to do that for me? So there is a quite a level of experimentation at the beginning to figure out the product market fit. And before you do that, it's probably not the wisest use of resources to pour it into creating pieces of content and all that good stuff. But once you have a product that you have a level of understanding, okay, people are willing to pay for it, they put down their credit card, and you know they're spending their hard-earned hard cash on, on your software tool. And then now, let's, okay, so, what are, who are these people who gets the most amount of um, value from our software? And let's go ahead and, and try to understand how that user journey looks like. So for example, if I'm a person looking to create a flyer, what would I do, right? And you would normally go and look up certain keywords. Okay, let's drop these keywords into Ahrefs, see exactly what pops up in the search, search suggestions. And let's go and create some specific pages. And then now that we create these pieces of uh, uh, you know, landing pages, let's create some content around it to go with it. All right, now we put this up, it's crickets. Nobody's coming to our site. Okay, now let's try to go and do some outreach, right? So you don't need to do everything I say from day one. There's a level of uh, you know, experimentation at the beginning to figure out what works. Once you have product market fit, then start slowly creating content and sort of establish yourself in that market. So again, there's no secret sauce. It's a very hard, tedious process. That's why 90% of startups fail. But not to say I'm discouraging folks, but I'm just saying that it's supposed to be difficult. And, and the good thing is that, I always say that to my team, is that what you're doing, if it's difficult to do, it's a good thing. It means that 
somebody in their grandmother's basement can't come up tomorrow and knock us out, right? It's going to take a lot of time and energy to replicate what we're doing here. So I would look at these, especially SEO and content, as a competitive advantage because it's not something that's easily replicable and in short term beatable. You can always come and bet more on the keywords, right? Facebook and Google uh, happily take your money <laughs> if somebody else shows up with, with a bigger pocket, right? Uh, but but organic traffic, not so much, right? It, it is going to take a lot, lot of time and energy from them for someone to be able to be competitive. So uh, all I'm trying to say is that create, create competitive advantage, the things that aren't as easy to do for other people to be able to knock you off. And then as a matter of fact, it is a matter of experimentation. Nobody really, there's no one size fit all thing for everything. We've had customers that are more successful with call hours for sales. We've had people who are doing very well with paid ads. We have had people like us who are doing well with content, hence why we're biased, right? So it's, it's a matter of experimenting, keep an open mind. And, and if something, so it's, it's it's just a process of elimination. Out of 10 things you do, nine of them isn't going to work. So it's your job as a marketer to get rid of that 90% and then double down on the 10% that actually works. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think that what you mentioned about uh, finding the right time to invest in certain activities is something that we fight for ourselves with uh, some companies. Many of our, pro of the, of our prospects that uh, want to, who want to work with us essentially are not ready yet. And so what we're saying is that, you know what, you, you think that you need it, but trust me, you don't need it right now. What you need is mm -hmm. other things such as product validation and make sure that you have a, a customer base of people who get value out of the product. And so this is why I think that finding the right time to start um, uh, initiatives, such, investing in initiatives such as Condesio uh, is, is extremely important. Um, for that, where people uh, can find, connect with you or find more about uh, what you guys uh, are building at Respona? Yeah. yeah. So our website is Respona, R-E-S-P-O-N-A.com. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Farzad Rashidi. There's only, I think, one Farzad Rashidi in the world. So <laughs> I'm pretty easy to spot there. <laughs> my, not, my name's not John Smith. So it's, it's, I'm pretty... Pretty easy to find on the web. And yeah, feel free to drop in and say hi. I'd love to hear from you guys. That's great. Pazad, thank you very much for being right. on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.